You're listening to the Merged Marketing Podcast with me, Jason Hunt. The mission with this show is to discuss all things marketing, sales, and mindset. It's my hope for entrepreneurs like you to get the most from your efforts so that you can focus on what you do best. Let's go. You're listening to episode 186 of the Merged Marketing Podcast. And in this episode, we're talking about leveraging your Google business profile for local SEO. My guests on today's show are Aaron and Matt from 2H Media. 2H Media is a user-first agile marketing agency based here in Guelph, Ontario. They specialize in website design and video production. They build video-driven websites to help luxury e-commerce brands and nonprofits eliminate confusion and increase conversion. Now today's topic, we're going to dive into Google Business Profile Management and what a small business needs to be doing to get the most out of their Google Business Profile. Google Business Profile, formerly known as Google My Business, is one of the most important assets you have as a small business owner to get more eyeballs on your website and more traffic to your business. We're going to explore the various ways that you can optimize your profile to ensure you're in good standing with Google. Without further ado, let's kick it to my chat with Aaron and Matt. How's it going, guys? Doing great, thanks. How are you? Doing good, doing good. And then local residents of Guelph as well, just down the street from us, which is encouraging to see. It's not too often we have guests that are local here on the Merge Marketing Podcast. So that's awesome. I actually attended a seminar that they were hosting a few months ago, speaking a lot about the topic that we're going to talk about today. And these are two subject matter experts in the Google business profile space. So we're going to dive into that today. But let's start first by understanding a bit of your journey and to how you guys became partners in this business together. Ooh, that's a big question. It's a big question. Ben, do you want to kick us off? We were consulting with the Guelph-Wellington Business Center for a Starter Company Plus program back in 2019. Aaron came in. He was a participant in that program. And Christelle Maines, the executive director, directed him to say, like, you got to go talk to the marketing guys. And at that time, he met with me, myself, and a former business partner. His name was Ben. And we sat and we, we hit it off. And we kept getting like the rap on the door, like, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. We met for coffee like the very next day or very, very shortly after. Aaron has a quite impressive portfolio. As a board game designer, he was bringing like physical things and product packaging and very, very cool things into like a very, very traditional digital business. So we were just blown away, impressed. And he's got a good head on his shoulders. And then it was like a matter of weeks before he actually just joined us and then he ended up buying Ben out of his position in the company and then he's a full-time owner 50-50 owner with myself so it was like too good to be true kind of thing it was a really good fit like right off the hop we get asked all the time especially in the first year we're together oh you guys have been working together for a long time and it was like yeah we've been working together for eight days (laughs) it was like Aaron, it sounds like you're a bit of a serial entrepreneur, just with your background of the board game cafe and now getting involved in in, into marketing. What got you into marketing in the first place? Because your background was not necessarily in marketing. I guess it was marketing your own businesses, right? Yeah. So I grew up working in marketing. I got my start at a family business. When I was born, my parents were living illegally in Australia, tying string in people's hair for a living. And Eventually, they connected with some guys at like local markets, bought some jewelry, brought that back to Canada. And that, over a period of many years, blossomed into the largest piercing jewelry supplier in Canada. And so when I was about 12 years old, I started with the family business, just doing like product catalogs and marketing materials to help them reach their wholesale clients. 
by the time I was a young adult, I had taken over the full marketing branch for the company. So I was involved at the leadership level, helping to make even like purchasing decisions for new product lines, branding new lines that we were releasing, trying to break into the tattoo market. And that was all very exciting, but it wasn't mine. It was my parents. And so I started, as you say, the serial entrepreneur thing where, you know, along with some buddies, I started opening up some of my own companies. And that's how I formed Lindvander Studios, which is a board game design studio where I worked for about five years. And I was quite involved in the marketing efforts for my board game design studio. I was one of the owners of the Roundtable Board Game Cafe as well, like you mentioned, involved in the marketing efforts for that as well. And then I opened up this video game lounge, which was what we thought was a great idea, but ended up being like this chaotic, exciting concept that the market really wasn't ready for yet. And it really struggled. So managing these two very successful businesses between the design studio and the game cafes, plus this third struggling business, the video game lounge, that got to be a lot on my time <laughs> as a young adult. In my mid-20s at this point, it was way too much for me. So I ended up selling my positions in all of those companies, taking a year off. And I just worked worked in marketing for like local restaurants for a bit. And that was great. I helped some of the restaurants I was working with capture a digital Main Street brand. And that's what got me introduced to the business center. In the meantime, I'm starting to do some like freelance marketing stuff again, get back to my like marketing roots, as it were. And then through the business center, I met Matthew and the rest of you have already heard from him. Awesome. That's good stuff. Let's break into this now. Obviously, you guys are subject matter experts on this topic. I want to break into it because I think a lot of people out there might know this as Google My Business, formerly known as Google My Business, now called Google Business Profile. Maybe, uh, Matt, you can give a high level understanding of what it is and how it attributes to local SEO. Yeah, I have a strong belief that every single uh, young adult or adult in Canada has dealt with someone's Google profile before Google My Business Profile or there's for everyone listening, and I'll call it the name it actually is. Everyone's dealt with it, whether you're looking for a review, whether you're trying to figure out if a business is open, their address, reading their menu. It's like almost the most prominent piece of content that normally comes up with a Google search. Essentially, it takes up half the screen. So if you've ever seen someone's business, if you've seen someone's business profiles, you can share images, information on the address, inside, outside pictures, 360, everything like that. So if you, if you think about it from a just a practical perspective, it's a very often the first touch point a new customer has with your business upon making a search. And there's a lot of them out there and they're free and they're controlled solely by the business itself. So it's a pretty sweet tool that you actually just get to put online and start capturing a bunch of views. Aaron, what's maybe the low hanging fruit for a business owner? What can they do to optimize their Google My Business profile? Sure. Start by claiming it at all. We see a lot of small businesses that have two or three business profiles that people have created over the years. Some of them are automatically generated. A lot of business owners haven't actually sat down, taken ownership of their Google My Business Profile or Google Business Profile, as it's called now, and actually do the like basic setup. So that's step one is just claim it at all. You're going to at least then you control it and you can make forward momentum. Low hanging fruit would be like list all your service and product offerings. Like you can actually go in and fill out detailed information on what the heck it is your business actually does. Most small businesses, if they haven't taken the time to look seriously at this, are completely leaving that information blank and missing out on a ton of juice when it comes to like actually showing up in people's search results. Yeah, that's a valid point. Obviously, there are tons of benefits that come along with optimizing your Google business profile. But how can you have your profile stand out 
more so amongst the competition. Essentially, they're looking all the same. What are a couple of those little maybe tricks or hacks to have your Google business profile show up before the others? Sure. The biggest thing you can do is get your service category right. We see a lot of businesses that have the wrong primary service category, and it means that you're not going to appear as highly ranked as your competitors when people are searching for those specific services. And this is as basic as going into Google or Google Maps and looking for whatever it is your service offering is, see who comes up and see what service category they're listed under. And if yours is wrong, you're not going to appear at the top of that list full stop. That's like the lowest hanging fruit. You can add additional service categories as well, but there's an inverse relationship between like how many service categories you list and how highly Google ranks you for an individual service category. So you want to be choosy about which ones you list on your profile because you want enough that you show up in a variety of searches without it being so watered down that Google deprioritizes your profile compared to the other ones. Matt, maybe you can talk about some of those elements on the Google Business Profile and how, how someone can SEO optimize those sections of the profile. So the first one, the first, again, big low-framing fruit here is just a few hours of operation. Anyone can actually test this for themselves. You can type in food near me, or if you're looking for a service provider near you, only businesses that are open show up. All the businesses that are open will show up before the businesses that are closed. So right off the hop, if you have the wrong operating hours, you're not doing yourself any favors there. I'm sure we've all gone to a business hoping they were open or expecting them to be open, and they're not. And obviously that leaves a bad taste in your mouth and you, you be cursing under your breath a little bit. That's the first one. Hours of operation, really important. After that, it's just a constant stream of reviews. There are some awesome tools that you can use to actually get reviews. Google provides you a little link that will directly feed back into your profile. The whole goal there is you can turn that link into a QR code. You can put that QR code or that link into your marketing material. If you've got any kind of post-purchase process where you're interacting with customers after you've had positive experiences with them, you can socially prime them into leaving you a positive review. And those reviews, again, what you'll see is most common. And it's not always because there's a bunch of factors that go into SEO, but it is fairly common to see the businesses that have the most reviews that are the most not only the most, but the most frequent reviews. So the reviews that are from five years ago play less of a role than the reviews that you're getting very recently. They're going to be closer to the top of the list of there as well. And to be very honest, it's like people need to be reassured that they're spending their money and investing their time in the right places. So it, it's normally a fairly frequently checked out portion of the profile where people are looking at your customer service. They're looking at being reassured. So there's basic keywording stuff you can do too. Like you can go and use a tool like SEMrush or even I've heard people using ChatGPT for their keywording. Like you can use any number of tools to figure out what keywords to punch into your actual descriptions on your Google business profile listings. But like Matt says, the soft indicators that tell Google that it's an active and legitimate profile are going to be way more impactful than like spending hours and hours refining the keywords down to the word. So like staying on top of your reviews, posting on a regular basis. A lot of businesses have the instinct to just go and post 200 images at once and leave it at that. If instead you can post a few of them to get yourself started and then come up with a consistent weekly schedule where you're interacting with it every single week, that's going to have way more of an impact on where Google lists this profile compared to any amount of like set it and forget it tweaking or wording. I think people underestimate that the importance of posting on your Google business profile. 
you know, because it's not a social media platform by any means, but essentially what you're doing is giving signals to the platform that you are active and you are being active on your Google business profile. It's Google after all, right, Matt? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. The consistency wins. I always say you can brush your teeth all day once a year. Your teeth are still going to fall out. So the goal there is can you find some consistent schedule that makes it easy for you? Yes, there's obviously good best practices of like when you're taking your images instead of them being like 101010.jpg out of your phone or your camera, relabel those photos, add that information into it so that Google can tell what's in the image, upload it after you've renamed those, those image assets or if they're video assets as well, you can load video in as well. But yeah, naming them, it doesn't need to be like crazy SEO optimized, doesn't need to be keyword optimized, it needs to be an accurate representation of what's in, in the photo. You don't need to overthink things, it just needs to be named properly. The other thing there, there's a, Hidden, but if you were to actually go into a profile, you can go under the add update button. Uh, and this is just a really good opportunity to say like, are we running promotions? Does the business have a sale going on? Maybe not, but if you knew about that tool, you'd probably use it. If Are you running an event? Or are you collaborating with another business? You can put that information there as well. The right. event listings are awesome. I've been to networking events because yeah. people put them on their Google business profile. Yeah. And if you're curious about seeing it, you can just type in like into a Google events near me, and now those listings are from people adding their information into their profile under the events. And that's where it all is. Okay. So in terms of the posting to Google business profile, because the events one's very interesting, but in terms of posting to it, are you recommending that businesses just churn the same content that's on their social media platforms over to their Google business profile? Because a lot of those third-party platforms, they can integrate directly with Google business profile to make it very seamless. You can. Yeah, absolutely. There's there's a right tool for the job. So like, obviously, you might want to be using some strategy on social media where maybe you're taking a more social approach than a very salesy approach to highlighting your products or services. I think a lot of businesses, and like obviously paying with a broad brush here, a lot of businesses don't even exist to know these tools exist. So if they knew they existed, they would probably use the tools the best way they could. So doing some cross promotion, if it's obviously done properly, we're all for it. As long as you know that the tool exists and it's very simple, this is not like a, the clicks behind a lot of these features are very straightforward. It's not a very heavily technical piece of software. It's filling in a, a very, very small question with one page questionnaire about what you're trying to do. And then that uh, information immediately goes to Google. Um, to directly answer the question about duplicating content across your symbols in your Google business profile, perfect world. I would love everyone to come up with like specific content for every single platform that they're using. In the real world though, business owners are really busy and they often have limited scope and limited budgets to manage their social profiles. Using your Google business profile at all is gonna be so much better than what most businesses are doing. I would say just duplicating that social content is a perfectly fine starting point to get that regular content injected into the system. Absolutely. And I definitely think it's important. And like you said, Aaron, business owners are too busy to create native content just specifically for Google business profile, especially when the benefits you know, of doing that work might not outweigh the reward that you might get. However, I'm sure if you SEO optimize some of that Google content that you're putting out on Google business profile, it can also potentially be found in search as well and give certain signals to Google. Who's doing your social media? Is anybody doing your social media? Why aren't we doing your social media? Since 2016, my agency has been managing communities, creating content, and managing our clients' social media platforms to keep them top of mind with their customers along with their prospects. Social media is probably somewhere on your priority list as a busy business owner, 
but it's never gonna be near the top. For us at Merged Media, we ensure your social media is at the top of our list, making sure you're staying top of mind with those clients and prospects. If you want a creative and professional agency working on your social media, then go on over to merged.ca and book a call today. That's M-E-R-G-E-D.ca. I want to touch on a point. I don't want to breeze past this. The role of photos and the importance of the description, Matt, that you talked about within the photo. What are some best practices about the actual description that you put on those photos? So there are some some best practices. Google changes this a little bit frequently. So like a, a, I'll give it to you with, with the current guideline. You write for a human being and we have a 16 word maximum is what they're telling us so far. Uh, obviously, that could change any time. The goal there is for naming a photo for not only for yourself, but for someone that might obviously be visually impaired. If I was using a screen reader or if part of your audience is relying on some form of technology to actually broadcast what was on screen to them, that's where that information comes from. Oftentimes it's going to come from the file name of the image, potentially an alt tag, potentially maybe you're using some third party piece of software to, to help create a better experience for your customer. Just describe what's in the photo. So if it was us taking a screenshot of what's going on right here, I would use our full names. I would use the fact that we're on the marketing podcast. I might add some location information and maybe the topic of the podcast, but I'm going to keep it short and sweet and really describe what's in the photo. That way, if I was going to make a Google search later on and say, hey, I was looking for Matt and Jason and Aaron talking, there's a really good chance that that photo is going to pop up in a Google image search and be like, oh yeah, that's the photo of them on the podcast together. Very clean as day. Awesome. There are more technical things you can do, but basically just rename it as what it is. So. Awesome. I want to go back to uh, really an important signal to give Google that we touched on very briefly, which is reviews. Is there some best practices that you recommend to some of those local small businesses out there to generate more reviews? Because it's a question that I'm sure frequently comes up. It's like, how do I get more reviews? Are there hacks to getting more reviews? What, what's your response to that, Aaron, in terms of a business looking for more reviews and the best way to get them? There are absolutely hacks for getting more reviews, and we don't recommend any of them. Because the more you start to futz with your review score, the more problems you're going to run into on Google. They will shut your account down if you get caught pulling anything you're not supposed to. And then you've wasted all of your effort and really shut your business back. In terms of generating a lot of reviews, number one, build a relationship with your customers. If you haven't done that, you're not going to have any luck generating reviews unless they're negative, which you don't want. And number two, directly ask for them. This might be a shock to some business owners, but the best way to get reviews is to identify when your customers are at their happiest point in their journey through your services. And at that point, ask them to write a review for you and make it really easy. You can go generate a review link out of Google My Business, as Matt alluded to earlier, sending that direct link to people that takes them right to the spot where all they have to tell you is type in the review and hit submit is going to have a way higher success rate than just having a conversation with someone and saying, oh yeah, can you leave a review for me? And they say, I'll get to it. Brilliant. I definitely think utilizing that QR code in certain instances can help as well, especially if you're a, a local restaurant or any sort of local business where you are getting a lot of foot traffic. I think that's a good incentive as well. For sure. And like for those local restaurants and things, it's very common to incentivize reviews, which is acceptable. You just can't incentivize positive reviews. So you've got to really watch out and make sure that you're nailing the customer service side of things as well. Another thing I'll jump in there and add to is if you take the time to respond to the reviews that you're getting, whether they're positive or they're negative. If someone takes the time to say that you've done a good job, you should take the time to say thank you. And that does need to be done on a relatively punctual manner. So don't go back into your history and three years ago, thank the people that you worked with a long time ago. 
ideally weekly. Like if you can manage it doing it weekly, that would be fantastic. Within 72 hours would be fine as well. There's obviously best practices that we can share around how to comment to it on a negative review. We're all bound to get one. We're all human beings, but there is a right way to manage that. But even saying thank you to someone that has enjoyed a meal or was exploring the area for the first time and they stumbled into your business, it goes a long way. And those are another positive set of... Um, now, when you do respond to those positive reviews, Google's very specific in their guidelines. When you say thank you, you also have to provide additional value in the comment rather than just saying thank you to the review. So often, you know, when I was in the restaurant space, oh, I'd say, oh, thank you so much for coming in. I'm glad you had such a good experience. Hey, if you liked whatever meal it was they said they had a great time with, you might enjoy this drink that pairs well with it next time you're there. So you're using it as an opportunity to upsell to that customer a little bit in terms of providing a little bit more information and meeting Google's guidelines in terms of responding to reviews in a way that actually keeps the conversation going instead of just saying, thank you very much and leave it at that. As much as that review is for the person that left it or that response to the review is for the person that left it, it's really for everybody else seeing it as well. Good and bad, right? So that's a great opportunity to plug, hey, you tried the margarita pizza. Hey, why don't you try the deluxe? You know what I mean? Or if it's a negative review, you see this all the time. It's really tough for a business owner to bite their tongue and not write what they really feel, which you see a lot. And that's just a bad representation for the business owner and the business itself. And that a lot with small businesses. Yeah, absolutely. There's nothing wrong with getting a negative review. People mm. reading your reviews are going to look for them. And they're going to learn a lot more from how you respond to those negative reviews than from whatever people were complaining about in the first place. 100%. Definitely. You should share the positive reviews you receive with your team as well. So like, you should actively use that as a chance to go, hey team, whatever, however many people you're working with is like, share the fact that they're doing a good job. But take that, that positive feedback and make sure your actual team understands that they're actually leaving a positive impact on the customers. Don't leave that as just like a, oh yeah, there's some reviews on our Google. Bring that into the business as well. I can use that as for morale. It makes a big difference. 100%. That's an excellent point. And in, in addition to that, we incentivize our employees here when they go and get a review, they have certain incentives that they get monetarily rewarded Ooh. for every single re review that they get for our company. And really, it just really is that kind of nudge to, hey, we always say a five for five. What that means is when a client asks for a five minute favor, we go and get a five star review. You know what I mean? We'll be happy to go ahead, not bill you for, you know, these 10 minutes that we had to go in there and do something. By the way, do you not mind, do you mind leaving us a review? You know what I mean? 9.9 .9 times out of 10, they'll leave a review. So you, you can almost put a, and again, this is going to be different for every business. You can almost put a financial cost on getting the review in terms of how much business you would get on the top of the search, on the top of the serves versus how much it's actually costing you in time whether it be labor or whatever that is, I'm actually generating a deal in the first place. There's, they're worth it every time. They're like, they're, it's like, we're always trying to get more of them. If you could flat out pay for them, you would, you could absolutely find a dollar value that you'd be willing to pay for one of these things. And I'm glad that we can't, but they're very valuable. 100%. That's awesome. Guys, again, I appreciate your time. And how can our audience get in touch with you guys if they have any questions? Best thing to do is just shoot us an email. If they want to reach me, I'm just Aaron at 2h.media. He's Matthew at 2h.media. And we have tons of information on our website. We'd be more than happy to have a chat. We offer free strategy calls for anyone trying to upgrade their marketing. So we'd love to have a conversation with anyone who's interested. And what about your socials? Where can people find you online? LinkedIn, 2hmedia on LinkedIn, and then underscore 2hmedia on Instagram. Awesome.
All right, fellas, we end every episode with the same question. That question is this. I'll start with you, Aaron. If you can choose one person, dead or alive, to represent your company, who would it be and why? And it can't be Matthew. Oh, it's Don Draper. (laughs) (laughs) Good one. He's the king of marketing. Yeah, yeah. Someone that just crushes Manhattans. Exactly. An old fashioned. He said it couldn't be Matthew, so I had to choose someone else who crushes Manhattans. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) Who you got, Matt? This might be a controversial answer. I like Henry Ford. We're very process driven. And he played a large part in, in cranking out and commoditizing the assembly line. So you'd be surprised. This is episode 186, and we haven't had one Henry Ford yet. That was the very first Henry Ford. A lot of Steve Jobs, a lot of Muhammad Ali, a couple of Jesus, but only one Henry no, Ford. And that, yeah, there's, there's good and bad things you could say about Jesus. Jesus is a great answer. God himself. Yeah, yeah. The last episode actually was with Darren Dawson, who's the founder of co-founder of BombBomb, and his answer was Jesus. And Jesus. can't argue that one. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Again, guys, Aaron, Matthew, appreciate your time. Thank you, so you very much. Real quick, guys, if you are active on Instagram or TikTok, I encourage you to go on over and give my personal profile a follow at jhuntofficial, J-A-Y-H-U-N-T-O-F-F-I-C-I-A-L. Over there on Instagram and TikTok, I'm posting my favorite highlights from the Merged Marketing Podcast, along with some of the highlights from my speaking engagements uh, overseas, as well as locally. Ton of value, go on over and check it out at jhuntofficial. I'd like to thank you for listening to the Merged Marketing Podcast, and I invite you to subscribe so you never miss an episode of the Merged Marketing Podcast. One of the best ways to do that is to add us to your Instagram at Merged Media, M-E-R-G-E-D-M-E-D-I-A. Go on over there, give Merged Media a follow and subscribe and never miss an episode. Thank you so much for listening. We'll talk to you soon.